For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, Exposing the Kingdom of Darkness. This is part seven of the series. Esau is associated with the kings of the earth. Acts chapter 4, verse 26, is quoting from Psalm chapter 2, where it says, The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. So in speaking of the prophecy of what the kings of the earth will do, it identifies them first in Acts chapter 4 verse 27 in the following way. For of a truth against your holy child Yeshua, whom you have anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate. Herod was an Edomite, and Pontius Pilate the governor of Rome. So in speaking about the prophecy of the kings of the earth from Psalm chapter 2 verse 2, the interpretation in Acts chapter 4, it first mentions Rome and an Edomite, Herod. In the Torah Anthology, to the Book of the Twelve Prophets, volume 1 on page 481, the Jewish commentary to Obadiah chapter 1, which is a prophecy against Esau, making reference to Obadiah chapter 1 verse 11 about the strangers that took Jerusalem captive, the commentary says that the second temple was destroyed by Edom, Rome. And they are the aliens that entered into Israel's gates and cast lots for Jerusalem. And that King Herod was an Edomite. He descended from Edom. Given that we're told in Obadiah chapter 1 verse 3 that Esau hides in caves. This is exactly what we're told the kings of the earth do in Revelation chapter 6 verse 15 as it is written. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every freeman, hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains, or the caves of the earth. So the kings of the earth hides in caves. Historically, Esau lived in Mount Seir, a place of cave dwellings. And we're told in Obadiah chapter 1 verse 3 that Esau hides in caves. Next, we're going to look at the prophecies of the city of Tyre in the Bible. And Tyre was a Phoenician city. And Rashi, one of the most prominent Jewish Torah commentators in Judaism, a rabbi of the Middle Ages, in his commentary to Ezekiel chapter 26 verse 2, speaking of Tyre, he says that Tyre was colonized by the descendants of Esau. Historically, we're told that Tyre was colonized by King Arithus which means King Red. 
we have this commentary from an English encyclopedia. The city of Tyre was colonized by a king with the name of Erythrus, meaning King Red, who came from an area on the Red Sea. So in the next slide, we have the details of this information from the encyclopedia, where it mentions on page 283 that Erythrus means red, just as Esau, whose name was Edom, means red. And in this source, it tells us that King Erythrus was a descendant from Esau. So Tyre was a merchant city and a capital of Phoenicia. And Phoenicia in Greek means red, from the Wikipedia Encyclopedia. The name Phoenicians comes from the Greek, and the word may be derived from the Greek meaning blood red. The Greek word itself possibly related to the Greek word for murder. Now, in the Dictionary of Religion and Ethics, volume 11, page 179, it explains that a chief god of the early Phoenicians was Usus, which is the Phoenician way of saying Esau. It explains, one of the chief gods of the early Phoenicians, according to an ancient historian, was Usus, who is clearly identified with Esau. And then in the Dictionary of Religion and Ethics, it states, there is no question that this Usus within the Phoenician pantheon of gods was the biblical Esau. So in the Bible, in Ezekiel, Tyre is called a merchant, and Hasatan is called a merchant. In Ezekiel chapter 27, verse 3, it is written, And say unto Tyrus, O you that are situate at the entry of the sea, who are a merchant of your people for many isles. Then, in Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 12, it is written, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Verse 13, You have been in Eden, the garden of God. So, in reference to Hasatan, to Lucifer, to the devil, who was in the garden and tempted Eve, in the reference made to Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 13, Hasatan is called the king of Tyrus. And then in Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 16, it is written, By the multitude of your merchandise, you have filled the midst of you with violence, and you have sinned. Now we're going to see the similarity of the prophecy that was made about Tyrus in Ezekiel chapter 27 parallels what is said about the fall of Babylon in Revelation chapter 18 verse 15. In Ezekiel chapter 27 verse 2 and verse 27 it is written, Now, son of man, take up a lamentation for Tyrus, your riches, your fares, your merchandise, your mariners, your pilots, and the occupiers of your merchandise shall fall into the midst of the seas in the day of your ruin. Revelation chapter 18 verse 15. The merchants of these things which were made rich by her shall stand afar off for the fear of her torment, weeping and wailing. Speaking of, in Revelation 18, the fall of Babylon. Let's continue to compare the prophecies about Tyre in Ezekiel 27 with the prophecies about Babylon in Revelation 18:17. In Ezekiel chapter 27 verse 2 and verse 29 it is written, Son of man, take up a lamentation for Tyrus. Verse 29, And all that handle the oar, the mariners, and all the pilots of the sea, they shall come down from their ships, they shall stand upon the land. This is parallel to Revelation chapter 18, verse 17, 
in the fall of Babylon, where it says, In one hour so great riches has come to naught, and every shipmaster and all the company and ships and sailors, and as many as trade by sea, stood afar off. We continue with the parallel prophecies. Ezekiel chapter 27 verse 2, the prophecy against Tyre. And then in Ezekiel 27 verse 30, And shall cause your voice to be heard against you, and shall cry bitterly, and shall cast up dust upon their heads. They shall wallow themselves in the ashes. This parallels with the fall of Babylon in Revelation chapter 18 verse 19. And they cast dust on their heads, and they cried, weeping and wailing saying, Alas, alas, that great city, for in one hour is she made desolate. Continuing with the parallel prophecies, Ezekiel 27 verse 2, a prophecy against Tyre. Ezekiel chapter 27 verse 32, In their wailing they shall take up a lamentation for you and lament over you, saying, What city is like Tyrus? like the destroyed in the midst of the sea. Well, this is what's said of Babylon in Revelation 18:18. 18, 18. And they cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is like unto this great city? Continuing the parallel prophecies, it is said of both Tyre and Babylon that kings will bewail her judgment. It is said of Tyre in Ezekiel chapter 27, verse 35, All the inhabitants of the isle shall be astonished at you, and their kings shall be sore afraid, and they will be troubled in their countenance. Of Babylon, it said in Revelation chapter 18, verse 9, And the kings of the earth, who have committed fornication and lived deliciously with her, shall bewail her and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning. In Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 2, Tyre says, I am a god. Well, it said of Babylon in Isaiah 47 and Revelation 18, 7, I am a God. In Ezekiel chapter 28 verse 2 it is written, Son of man say unto the prince of Tyrus, Thus says the Lord God, Because your heart is lifted up, that's pride, and you have said, I am a God. I sit in the seat of God in the midst of the seas. This is what's said of Babylon in Isaiah chapter 47 verse 5 and verse 8 as it is written, Sit thou silent and get you into darkness, O daughter of the Chaldeans of Babylon, for you will no more be called the Lady of Kingdoms. Verse 8, Because you say in your heart, I am, and there is none beside me, and I shall not sit as a widow, neither shall I know the loss of children. It's said of Babylon in Revelation chapter 18 verse 7, For she says in her heart, I sit a queen, and am no widow, and shall see no sorrow. So now we're going to see the parallel that the prophecies of the judgment of Esau in Jeremiah chapter 49, the same is said of the daughter of Babylon in the end of days, Jeremiah 50 verse 13. So first, Jeremiah chapter 49 verse 7, concerning Edom, thus says the Lord of hosts. Jeremiah chapter 49 verse 13, For I have sworn by myself, says the Lord, that Basra shall become a desolation. That's the ancient capital of Edom. Jeremiah chapter 49 verse 17, And Edom shall be a desolation. Everyone that goes by it shall be astonished, and shall hiss at all the plagues thereof. And what's said of the daughter of Babylon in the end of days, Jeremiah chapter 50 verse 13, Because of the wrath of the Lord it shall not be inhabited, but it will be wholly desolate. Everyone that goes by Babylon shall be astonished, and hiss at all her plagues. We could continue to see the parallel of the prophecy against Edom or Esau in Jeremiah chapter 49 with the prophecies against the end-time daughter of Babylon in Jeremiah chapter 50. So Jeremiah chapter 49 verse 7, the 
prophecy is against Edom or Esau. And it says of Edom or Esau in Jeremiah 49 verse 18, As in the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah and the neighbor cities thereof, says the Lord, No man shall abide there, neither shall a son of man dwell in it. Well, it's said of the daughter of Babylon in the end of days, Jeremiah chapter 50 verse 1, the word that the Lord spoke against Babylon. Jeremiah chapter 50 verse 40 As God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah and the neighbor cities thereof, says the Lord, so shall no man abide there, neither shall any son of man dwell therein. So next we're going to see what's said regarding Esau or Edom in Jeremiah chapter 49 verse 7. In Jeremiah chapter 49 verse 19 says the same thing regarding Babylon, Jeremiah chapter 50 verse 1 in Jeremiah chapter 50 verse 44. So now let's see what's said about Edom or Esau, Jeremiah chapter 49 verse 7, in Jeremiah chapter 49 verse 19, as it is written. Behold, he shall come up like a lion from the swelling of Jordan against the habitation of the strong, but I will suddenly make him run away from her. And who is a chosen man that I may appoint over her? For who is like me, and who will appoint me the time? And who is that shepherd that will stand before me? So Jeremiah 49 verse 19, which is said of Edom or Esau, is said of the end time daughter of Babylon, Jeremiah chapter 50 verse 1, in Jeremiah chapter 50 verse 44. So let's see how it's the same words. Behold, he shall come up like a lion from the swelling of Jordan, under the habitation of the strong, but I will make them suddenly run away from her. And who is a chosen man that I may appoint over her? For who is like me, and who will appoint me the time? And who is that shepherd that will stand before me? We're going to continue to see the parallel that the prophecy of the judgment against Esau in Jeremiah 49 is spoken of regarding the end-time daughter of Babylon in Jeremiah chapter 50, which once again, I believe the end-time daughter of Babylon in Jeremiah chapters 50 and 51 speaks of the United States of America. So given that Jeremiah chapter 49 verse 7 is a prophecy against Edom or Esau, it says in Jeremiah chapter 49 verse 20, Therefore hear the counsel of the Lord that he has taken against Edom. Surely the least of the flock will be drawn out. Surely he shall make their habitations desolate with them. So it's said of the end time daughter of Babylon in Jeremiah chapter 50 verse 1 and verse 45. Therefore hear the counsel of the Lord that he has taken against Babylon. Surely the least of the flock will draw them out. Surely he shall make their habitation desolate with them. Continuing with the parallel prophecy that said against Esau in Jeremiah 49 is said against the end time daughter of Babylon in Jeremiah 50. Regarding Edom or Esau in Jeremiah chapter 49 verse 21, it is said, The earth is moved at the noise of their fall. At the cry, the noise thereof was heard in the Red Sea. Regarding the end time daughter of Babylon in Jeremiah chapter 50, it says of her in Jeremiah chapter 50 verse 46, At the noise of the taking of Babylon, the earth is moved. And the cry is heard among the nations. And finally, the parallel between the prophecy against Edom or Esau in Jeremiah chapter 49 against Babylon in the end of days in Isaiah chapter 13. First, regarding Edom or Esau in Jeremiah chapter 49 verse 22, it is written, And at that day shall the heart of the mighty men of Edom be as the heart of a woman in her pangs. It is said of the fall of Babylon in the end of days in Isaiah 13 verse 1, that it said of her in Isaiah 13 verse 8, And they shall be afraid, pains and sorrows shall take hold of them. They shall be in pain as a woman that travails.
So let's summarize this part of our teaching on exposing the kingdom of darkness, wherein we see the political, governmental characteristic of Esau. That is, pattern of behavior is he goes into another country, blends in initially culturally with the people of that country, but rises to power and usurps and rules and reigns over that people. And Esau in the Bible is associated with Greece, Rome, and Babylon. Being associated with Greece and Rome, Esau is going to be associated with Europe in the United States, whose political, governmental makeup, especially in our modern times, is patterned after Greece and Rome. And both Europe and the United States is a melting pot of people. And Babylon comes from the Hebrew word Babel, which means to mix. So let's summarize what we've covered in this part of the teaching. Number one, Esau is associated with the ancient merchant city of Tyre along the Mediterranean Sea and the Phoenician people. Number two, Esau is associated with Greece. Number three, Esau is associated with Rome. Number four, Esau is associated with Babylon. Number five, with its association being a melting pot of the world and governmentally and politically structured after Greece and Rome, Esau would be associated with the United States in the political governmental arena. Number six, Esau is associated with the prophecies in Psalm 2, verse 2 of the kings of the earth, quoted in Acts chapter 4, being linked with Herod and Edomite and Pontius Pilate, the governor of Rome. Number seven, the king of Tyre is called a merchant, and Hasatan is called a merchant. Number eight, the judgment of Esau is associated with the judgment of Tyre in Ezekiel chapters 27 and 28, and the end-time daughter of Babylon, or the United States, in Isaiah chapter 13, Isaiah chapter 47, Jeremiah chapters 50 and 51, and Revelation chapter 18. So next, I'm going to share with you the history of the Olympic Games. The Olympic Games began in Olympia in Greece in 776 BC. Now remember what we just covered in our teaching concerning Esau, that Greece is a daughter of Esau. And the Greek calendar was based on the Olympiad, the four-year period between the Games. The Games were staged in the wooded valley of Olympia in Elis. Here the Greeks erected statues and built temples in a grove, or an Asherah, dedicated to Zeus, who is the Greek god equivalent to Baal. And among the pantheon of Greek gods, Zeus was regarded as the supreme god among the Greek gods. The ancient Greek Olympic Games were regarded as a religious festival. The ancient Olympics were as much a religious festival as an athletic event. The Games were held in honor of the Greek god Zeus, and on the middle day of the Games, 100 oxen would be sacrificed to him. The first games began as an annual foot race of young women in competition for the position of the priestess for the goddess Hera. And a second race was instituted for a consort for the priestess who would participate in the religious traditions at the temple. The Greek tradition of athletic nudity was introduced in 720 BC. So next, I'm going to share with you the meaning and the background behind the lighting of the Olympic torch. The Olympic torch is lit several months before the start of the actual games. The flame begins its journey at the site of the original Olympic games 
which was Olympia, Greece. It is lit, just as it was in the ancient times, at the temple Hera. An actress dressed as a ceremonial priestess in the robes of the ancient Greeks lights the torch via the same technique used in the original games. During the ancient Olympic Games in Greece, a sacred flame burned at the altar of Zeus, in whose honor the games were held. Its lighting signaled the opening of the games, and its extinguishing signaled their end. The flame is carried in a fire pot to an altar in the ancient Olympic Stadium, where it is used to light the first runner's torch. So next, we're going to look at the background of the Statue of Liberty. And in doing so, one of the things that we're going to see that is a parallel to the ancient Greece Olympic Games is the lighting of the Olympic torch because one of the characteristics of the Statue of Liberty is it's going to be holding a lighted torch. The Statue of Liberty, which symbolizes liberty enlightening the world, is a colossal neoclassical sculpture on Liberty Island in New York Harbor designed by Frederick Bartholdi and dedicated on October the 28th, 1886. The Statue of Liberty in New York Harbor was presented in 1884 as a gift from the French Grand Oriental Temple Masons to the Masons of America in celebration of the centenary, which refers to a hundred-year period, of the First Masonic Republic. At this site on August 5, 1884, the cornerstone of the pedestal of the Statue of Liberty Enlightening the World was laid with ceremony by William A. Brody, Grand Master of Masons in the state of New York. This plaque is dedicated by the Masons of New York in commemoration of the 100th anniversary of that historic event. So next we're going to see that the Statue of Liberty actually represents and symbolizes the Roman goddess of liberty. The statue, a gift to the United States from the people of France, or more specifically, French Masons to American Masons, is of a robed female figure representing Libertas, the Roman goddess of freedom who bears a torch upon which is inscribed the date of the American Declaration of Independence, July 4, 1776. The Roman goddess Libertas represents liberty and freedom. As a result, she was the goddess of immigrants. However, as the goddess of freedom, she represented freedom to do with anything that felt good, and this included sexual freedom. As a result, she is linked to the Babylonian goddess Ishtar. In the writings of the Roman historian Cicero, Ishtar has the title of Mother of Harlots. Part of the makeup of the Statue of Liberty is she has a seven-spiked crown. While the French sculptor Frederick Bartholdi designed the Statue of Liberty, the idea for creating a Statue of Liberty and Freedom came from another Frenchman named Edward Laboulet, who was also a Freemason. They conceived that the statue should be an artistic rendering of the Roman goddess Libertas, whom Bartholdi privately wrote in his memoirs stating a mystery doctrine regarding the purpose of her crown. The seven rays of her spiked crown that jets out into the sky. Well, that's going to conclude part seven of the series on the subject, Exposing the Kingdom of Darkness. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen.
Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.